Hi, I'm Richard, the founder of 10 Adventures, and this is the 10 Adventures podcast. Each week, we talk to real people about real adventures as they explore this incredible planet we all live on. Welcome back to the 10 Adventures podcast. Uh, I'm really excited about our guest today because I've actually been following him on YouTube and Instagram as he's been doing just an epic ride down through Africa. And so I want to talk to uh, our guest, Algirdas, uh, about, you know, this incredible self-supported uh, adventures he's been doing. So welcome to uh, to the show, Algirdas. Uh, good morning, guys. Uh, thank you for inviting me. It's really nice to be here. Your Instagram and your YouTube has just this in- incredible content of you riding your bike down down through Africa. But what I was really interested in is this isn't your first big adventure. You know, I found you, you know, or you popped up on my feed a few months ago, two or three months ago, I think I, I reached out to you. But on, on your YouTube page, you say, many years ago, I had a dream to travel the world nonstop and finally I'm doing it. And I know you've done some big walks and now you're doing this. How did you make the first step in choosing this life? Yeah, so uh, it's it's been some uh, big trips in my life before. Definitely, it's not the first one. So uh, I guess uh, everything uh, started back in 2014 at the time with my girlfriend. We were riding uh, from Lithuania to France to get a job south of France. And uh, on the way, we were thinking, uh, maybe we should do a small road trip, you know, to stop like in the Czech Republic and uh, Switzerland, Alps, Italy. So we did that for three or four weeks. And uh, yeah, I fell in love. We fell in love. And uh, in the end, we couldn't find the job. So we're heading back home to Lithuania. But um, who changed uh, my opinion about uh, how to travel like free, more free and more uh, like to see more and feel more experience. Well, it's it is, uh, one hitchhiker we pick up in uh, Czech Republic and we drive him across all Poland to Lithuania. And he was he was hitchhiking all around Europe and uh, while camping, you know, couch surfing. So he was telling me all the stories and I say, that would be really good experience. Uh, I think maybe I need to try next year, you know, and uh, Six months passed, six months passed, and uh, yeah, I was on the road on my uh, first big hitchhiking trip around uh, Europe, which lasts four months, and uh, we did 11,000 kilometers by hitchhiking, so that's that's how it started. Well, I didn't even know you did the the hitchhiking. That's super interesting, but I know a, a while later you did two big walks, and I'm interested in learning a little bit more about those. Can you tell me about these, uh, you know, kind of epic walks you did? Yeah, so uh, the the first my epic walk was actually on my first hitchhiking trip. Uh, just before a trip, uh, I saw this movie, The Way. It's about the Camino de Santiago. It's about a hiking trail across the Spain. It's like pilgrim walk. So I just saw this movie and... Uh, I was planning already to do this trip and I say, okay, maybe, maybe I should try, you know, it was looking really awesome. You know, many people all around the world just sharing meal together and stories and walking. So, uh, yeah, when I, when uh, we start hitchhiking, I reached, uh, the Spain 
and then we start walking first uh, first thousand kilometers from uh, Spain to Atlantic Ocean in Portugal. This is how I fell in love in hiking. I before that <laughs> I was never a hiker. I was never walking and. Um, not too much of a camper, but uh, yeah, I just fell in love and I was thinking already when I was walking, I, mean, I was thinking this is what I want to do the, the, the next of my life, you know, the like upcoming years to just travel and hike. And I already in my head, I was planning like a big, wild, more rugged, more challenging uh, hiking trip because Camino is very... Uh, it's everything is like logistically simple. Every five kilometers, you have albergue, cafe, shops, and you know it's very easy. So I was thinking, it would be really nice to test my uh, mental and physical uh, strength. Something somewhere well more like wild, you know, where you go deep in the bush for a week or so and just, just, just like this, you know. It's funny you mentioned how you know, you just kind of came. You know, you just all of a sudden you saw a movie and you decided to do the Camino because there's actually lots of people I talk to. And that's actually, you know, in my case, I saw a book in a bookstore for the GR10. That is the route that goes along the French Pyrenees from the Atlantic to the Mediterranean. It's just one of those things. You see something and you think I'm I'm going to do it. Uh, and then also just, you know, as you're doing it, it's like, no, I've never met anyone who doesn't who does one of these big trips and then it doesn't become part of their life like it's just such a wonderful experience everyone if you do one of these you know trips even people like that just try backpacking for the first time if they go for like a one week trip even those people they do it again and again cuz it just makes you know makes you feel so good so so after you did the camino what did you do next yeah, I continue hitchhike. We continue hitchhike around Europe, and uh, I travel more. And then uh, 2016 more, and every year just more, more. You know, just find a place where to get some uh, cash because I so fell in love in this lifestyle to be free, to be out of the system we live in. So I just spent all my cash only on long-term travels to like go for one, two months, three months. And uh, on my last trip, uh, which was lasting for six months, I spent my last money in Nepal. And I say, I don't want to come back to normal life. I, so I decided to come back like one last time for like one or so year to make like some more money and just go, just go, you know, <laughs> this is, uh, and this is how I ended up in Africa, basically. <laughs> Did you also do a trek up in Scandinavia? I did, yeah, true that. Uh, so yeah, last uh, during the COVID, I was stuck uh, two years in Norway, so I was getting crazy already. So uh, I was thinking, hey, maybe it's about time to do what I was thinking to do for some time to walk that epic wild walk, you know. And I was start looking. First, I was thinking, uh, my first plan was to walk across Alps, is uh, Via Alpina, is 2,800 kilometers track. But of course, uh, when I start planning and all the hopes with the COVID restrictions, I was thinking it's going to pass by, but uh, it never happened. So I was uh, looking something more close to where I was staying. It was in Norway. And accidentally, I found this uh, Norga Palanque 
check is like uh, from northest most point of Norway, North Cap to the Norwegian coast across all Scandinavia. It's also around 2,800. And I was thinking, well, well, this is much, much more wild, you know, because when you go in a bush, you spend one week in the mountains without uh, nobody almost, you know. So this I was thinking. And Norway definitely is rugged and wild, you know. So sometimes you go and you don't find a hiking trail or you need to cross a river and more rivers. So I think this is should be the... that... that uh, that I want to do, you know, and uh, yeah, and then I start walking, you know. It's funny, um, I've done a bit of hiking in Norway, and the one thing that surprised me is how steep the trails are. Like here in North America, in the Alps, the trails, you know, they go back and they slowly gain altitude doing um, switchbacks. In Norway, the trail always just seemed to go straight up the mountain. Uh, and I always thought, like, the Norwegians must just be in incredible shape because. We never saw a switch back once in the trip you were doing. Like, was it really remote? Were you seeing, you know, lots of people or was it kind of you're just, you know, one guy out there in the bush on your own trying to figure it out? Oh, yeah, definitely. When I started the start the trail, there still was a lot of snow, not a hiking season. And uh, in a real in up, up north, there is not much people and hiking. So uh, hikers, I mean, so uh, first month when uh, I was leaving, I was walking maybe six to seven days alone, basically, with maybe one person on my way, you know, someone just passing by. And I was seeing only people in a small village where I was getting my supplies, you know. But uh, then after, when I reached the Sweden, the, the, the popular King's Trail, the Kungsleden, then there was more and more people basically every day walking with 10 or 20 people. But uh, when when I was going back again in the Norwegian mountains, there was, uh, yeah, there was not much people actually walking that. So, yeah, pretty, uh, there was some days that like five days or a week or something like this, you know, you're just basically alone, especially in the north. So I've had, you know, nothing on that scale, but I've had trips where you, you don't see anyone for four or five days. And I find that really, really difficult. Like mentally, it's very, very tough. How did you deal with that? That, you know, you're not only are you alone, but I'm assuming this is kind of all new to you because it's nothing like the Camino. It's nothing like what you'd find in the Alps. It's really, you know, your fjording rivers and all that. How did you deal with kind of learning and doing this by yourself? Yeah, I don't think it's like something new for me because I was spending some hiking, long hiking also in Nepal and Alaska where it also was remote. So, but the thing is, was uh, I think why I was not feeling so lonely because <laughs> because of the social media. You just go inside when you want to meet someone. I mean, our like nowadays to be alone is basically impossible because you're always surrounded by a uh, television radio social media your phone you just you just take your phone and you that's it you know you you get your company so to be alone it's really really hard to be i think nowadays so yeah when you just walk walk you just take your phone you go on instagram or whatever and uh yeah it's interesting you mentioned that because here in the canadian rockies you know virtually anytime you leave kind of the parking lot you know anytime you leave the major towns 
there's no cell phone service. And so maybe that's one reason why I just love backpacking in the Rockies because there is no cell phone service. And so it's just you and, you know, whoever you're with, you know, for five days, for seven days. I hadn't thought about that. But yeah, when you're in, in the Alps, you aren't alone because you can just, you know, you can post to social media. You can go and, you know, watch YouTube videos of people doing cool stuff. And it's, you know, as you get to know people, even though you aren't interacting, it feels like you're around other people. Yeah, true. So I think Nor- Norway is really uh, have a good infrastructure with uh, with, uh, with those antennas. You go, Basically, you've got maybe two, two, three days maximum without service, but somewhere... Somewhere in the middle of nowhere on big mountain, you're going to see in the end antenna, you know, so. Yeah, that'd be weird if they had that here. In, in a sense, it would be nice for safety, but in a sense, it, it would suck because you'd lose kind of this, you know, wilderness experience. So you, you've done these big treks. What was the point where you thought to yourself, I'm going to cycle through Africa? Like, was this something you'd always thought about? Or was it just one day you're like, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll ride through Africa? Oh, no, definitely. I was not planning to cycle uh, in Africa, especially in Africa. So uh, I was hitchhiking many, many years, so many countries, many, I mean, four different continents. And uh, uh, my first plan was to, like, earn some money and hitchhike, you know, like what I'm doing, because for me, it's the best feeling. You are free. You just go wherever you want and uh, you experience slowly the country, how it is and the people and everything, you know. So when the COVID started, I was, uh, yeah, somehow I started looking up to those cycling long tour, long tour bicycle trips, you know. And I was thinking maybe that would be really, really nice to try, you know. And then I looking more and more and more. And I, I noticed that with the bicycle, you have more freedom. You no need to be dependent on people like hitchhiking. Sometimes you stay on the road for two days. Then they can drop you somewhere. You need to walk 10 kilometers, especially in big towns. So I was thinking maybe that could be really, really actually better for me, you know. So, yeah, and then uh, I will start planning actually cycling trip instead of hitchhiking, you know. So for the last year during the COVID, before I start, I was planning uh, to cycle in South America to Patagonia to Alaska, but uh, of course, because of the COVID and all the restrictions, I ending up in Africa. But for me personally, Africa was the last continent where I want to where I want to travel. You know, for me, for me, I have like maybe more like South America, Central Asia, Southeast Asia. This is my my priority. Was many years to go there and to to see how how it is there but never Africa I don't know why but uh yeah it's almost eight months here and uh, I'm loving it loving it I think that's incredible just you know the flexibility of you know seizing the moment and it's like well I want to go do this the only place I can go is Africa so I'm I'm gonna go there can you just describe you know your route you know where you started kind of you know the countries you visited and and where you're going to end up yeah, so the route is, uh, there is a route in Africa. It's very old route. Uh, many eye overlandings doing it. It's called Cairo to Cape Town. So basically, um, you start in Egypt, in Cairo, and you go slowly south towards the east side of the Africa. So I start in Egypt, then uh, we, we went into Sudan, 
we were planning to go to Ethiopia, but at the time was the border closed, that civil war started, was really not safe. So we flew from Sudan to Kenya, then we went to Uganda, Tanzania, Malawi, Mozambique, Zimbabwe, Zambia, Botswana, and now I'm here in Namibia for last six or seven weeks maybe and heading to Cape Town, South Africa. So it's it, it's interesting. You're definitely not taking the most direct route. You know, I, I can kind of just visualize on a map, you're kind of weaving around going to see things where a lot of people when they, you know, go on a cycle tour, it's partly about just I want to go as quickly as I can in, you know, as as straight of a line. Where you're not doing that. You're going to explore things it sounds like. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, uh, to go to visit countries uh, to see what I want to see. Like, uh, so, uh, you know, if I'm going to stick to direct route, I'm going to miss the most things I would like to see, you know, like, uh, for example, in uh, Sudan, uh, pyramids or, uh, yeah, those kind of things that you need to do, do detour, you know, so... Um, yeah, I have time. I mean, uh, why not to zigzag along the way, you know? This is how uh, yeah, you can get most of the country, what can it offer, you know, and see the, the most of its beauty. So kind of on that same topic, you know, a lot of people when they do a bike tour, they don't take a lot of time off. It's like they ride, you know, six days a week and they take a day for rest where they just let their body recover. Are you doing that? Or are you taking, you know, if you, if you come into a great place, you'll just take four or five days off your bike and just explore a place. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it depends uh, from how tired I am, of, of course, from the country where I am. And uh, like here in Namibia, oh, I'm, I'm exploring every corner of it. I don't want to skip. I love Namibia. Such a beautiful nature, such a beautiful uh, people and country. So I would just want to take it everything you know so slowly like you say go to one place explore a bit and uh yeah i guess but uh, sometimes like egypt i just yeah of course i i was staying like three days five days in one place exploring but at the same time i just wanted to go fast 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 or for example in sudan when there is only a sahara desert basically you don't want to like stop in the middle of the sand and like rest for a few days you know so you just want to skip you know but when you arrive to la mala Lake, for example you just want to be there and you don't want to leave never you know so yeah it's like this i guess sometimes you stop more sometimes you stop less it's just now on this trip what are you doing for accommodations are you you know wild camping are you doing couch surfing or warm showers or something like that yeah, I'm doing everything. Most of it, uh, camping, of course. Also depends from the countries, you know. For example, in Egypt, I never camp because it just, I didn't feel safe, you know, people everywhere. No, actually, I was camping a bit in Sahara, but uh, not like in Sudan, for example, where you camp every day, basically, you know. Or in Kenya, we were staying with the local people every day. In Uganda, we again arrived and... Uh, we couldn't find any day we couldn't find a camping place because we were always surrounded by the people. So sometimes you use the cheap hotels. From Tanzania, I used to start more and more uh, uh, couch surfing. So uh, especially in Namibia, it's, yeah, I'm staying a lot of the local people. So yeah, just they're inviting me, you know, and uh, 
So it, it depends also from the country, you know. Somewhere you can more camp, somewhere you can uh, go more with the locals. And if it's, for example, cheap, like in Tanzania, where a nice room, private room, sometimes with the breakfast is $5. So, I mean, why why not, you know? So many days we were staying just in a hotel, you know, so. It's interesting, you know, going slowly and then, you know, staying couch surfing. It gives you kind of the cultural aspect a lot more. You know, a lot of times when we travel, we don't interact, you know, we interact with people that are working at their job, but it's really hard to kind of understand just people that are that are living in the country and understand kind of a little bit more deeply about the culture. Um, has that been something, you know, that you really enjoy or is it just, you know, just just the cost savings of couch, couch surfing that drives you? I mean, no, I mean, enjoy, but I, I would say it's like 50-50 because uh, you save some money, but I also want to know like about the culture, especially in uh like here in Namibia, they have a lot of these tribes and these ethnic groups, and you stay at one they at one place they talk about there, you stay at another place, so it's really interesting, you know, but um, yeah, it's also depends i guess from the mood you know if you like really tired, you just wanna like privacy and just stay in a bed all day, you know, but uh, sometimes you just wanna hang out and interact, so also I guess it depends. You know, from the from the people you meet, and you know, uh, we had a, a fellow on the podcast who walked from uh, Morocco home to England, and he describes couch surfing. He kind of did that almost every night, and uh, he's an introvert, and I'm an introvert, and I thought that would be so tough because I like just having time on my own, and 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 kind of the way he described it is every night. He had to kind of be, you know, it, it, it's it's a two-way exchange. You know, the local family wants to, you know, meet somebody that's doing something interesting and learn about, you know, your culture. And so he kind of described he'd have to kind of work every night and interact with the family. So after doing a 10-hour walk, he'd then have four hours with, you know, the local family and, you know, getting to know the kids. And I thought, oh, that would be really valuable. But also, you know, for me at least, it'd be really, really hard to – you know, you're, you're shattered, then you have to kind of go and, you know, hang out and, and chat. So you've, you've seen a ton of Africa already. What are some of the places that are just, you know, blew you away? Ideally, some places that maybe surprised you that, you know, they were just so unexpectedly delightful. Definitely Namibia, Malawi as well, and Sudan. I think those cheese countries for me was like the biggest surprise because I didn't expect how... Uh, People are there. I, I mean, I, I didn't know how it's going to be there. and uh, But, uh, yeah, it was really nice experience, you know. Uh, definitely I would love to come back the, there one time. Probably not cycling, but... <laughs> we talked with someone who did the Tour d'Afrique on, on one of our podcasts, uh, you know, three or four months ago. And to the Tour d'Afrique is an organized ride where you've got, you know, support vehicles and your food's made for you every night and... Uh, she loved it, but you know, what do you think is different? You know, you're out there on your own, you have no support, no one's making you, you meals. How do you think your experience is different from someone who's doing an organized ride? Yeah, I would say definitely more tough, more challenging because you know, if, uh, someone always following you and cooking you at dinner, you know, you don't need to think for uh, the most important thing of the day where you're gonna sleep and you know because 
in the end of the day, you're just thinking where you're going to sleep, you know, and probably more raw, you know, so I don't know. It's a hard question to say. I, I'm pretty sure they are both definitely awesome experience, you know, just to be on the road and just to go and just to be free. I wonder if what you're doing is is maybe more mentally exhausting, you know, doing the Tour d'Afrique is physically exhausting because you don't, you know, you have a few rest days. But all the kind of mental stress of where you're going to stay, is it safe? You know, what if my bike breaks down? What if I can't find a place to stay? You don't really have that because all that's organized. Whereas in your case, you have all the physical demands, but then you also got all the mental stuff. Whereas you're riding, you're thinking about all these things, which would be really tough. Definitely. Yes, you are right. Because, yeah, if you're going to break down in the middle of nowhere, for example, like here in Namibia, you can be stuck for two days like I was or in Sudan or whatever, if you're going to break down, you need to think how you need to get away from this situation. So it was everything on you. Like, for example, when I was in Egypt and I got a puncture, like third day of my trip. And I remember that the last time I changed my tire, it was 15 years ago, you know? So I had this, uh, had this uh, YouTube videos, download that to my phone, how to change it how to change tube, how to do that, how to change, you know, so you just sit, you know, and you just need work, how to fix things, I guess. So, um, yes, yeah, probably more challenging mentally because uh, you need to count only on yourself and uh, how to get out of the situation, you know, nobody going to help you. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point, just kind of when you do self-supported travel in general, you've got to kind of be resilient and if something goes wrong, it's always like, well, no one's there to help you. You know, you have to kind of figure out how to solve that yourself, which um, I think is actually a really good life skill. Like in general, if you can kind of figure out all these sticky situations, it helps you in a bunch of other other parts of life. I'm interested, you know, you make these great videos while you're riding. And I've tried to do little videos and take photos. You know, if I'm adding, you know, I, I add some of the routes to 10 adventures because they're my favorite ones. And I find it really tough to like stop my bike, take a video and, you know, do stuff like that. How do you manage to do it when you're doing this massive bike trip? Like, is it easier for you to kind of stop and get video or is it just part of kind of what you're doing? Because for me, that would seem super, super tough. You're having a great ride. OK, I got to stop, set up a camera, move back, you know, ride past the camera, do stuff like that. How, how do you handle the challenge of filming, taking photos, and riding all, all at the same time. I don't know. I guess it's natural. Even even I don't think that uh, because in the beginning I was really struggling. You know, like you say, you know, just to go there, just to put uh, on, like uh, on off camera and uh, put the tripod there. You know, but uh, I don't know. Some somehow I uh, I was like. Uh, shy to speak not like shy but i didn't like to speak to myself to my camera you know? so it took time to over overcome it and uh but yeah i guess now it's just not all you just go 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 you see something you push record and you just start talking whatever you you want i don't know i i guess it sounds like it just becomes a habit over time and i've never done it enough to actually get a uh get a habit out of it yeah, I guess you're right. It just becomes, well, yeah, yeah, you're right. You mentioned your goal is to travel the world nonstop. So have you started thinking what happens when you reach Cape Town? 
you know, where you're, what the next trip, is it more cycling? Is it hitchhiking? Is it walking? Definitely cycling. I mean, um, I, I fell in love with it. I mean, uh, I just like freedom, you know, how you can uh, experience the moment and uh, be at the place and just uh, to see how how things uh, they are in real, you know. So definitely it's going to be cycling and uh, definitely it's just the beginning of the big trip, you know. I hope, I hope if the universe going to allow me, you know. So, uh, but yeah, for the last month, I'm like uh, ripping in half myself where to go, you know. So I still, I have some ideas, but... Uh, still have some time so i'm gonna decide but uh, yeah definitely i want to do some hiking trails uh i have uh, one in in my head which is uh, for some times now so i would like to do that as well as but yeah i guess step at the uh, small steps you know just step by step and uh, just uh, slowly you need to first reach cape town and then we'll see <laughs> Well, this has been great to hear about this, you know, incredible journey, uh, Algirdas. And I kind of like the approach of, you know, you kind of take things as they come. And so even though you're, you know, near to Cape Town in, in Namibia, you're not making decisions. You're going to, you know, get to there and then kind of see see what happens next. Uh, I want to say thanks for coming on the podcast. I loved hearing, hearing your stories and uh, your just approach to life, I think, is, is really valuable for other people to hear. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, God, for having me. Thank you. Uh, and so if you want to know more about uh, Algirdas, uh, he's got a, a ton of great content. Uh, you can find him at Algirdas Wanders on Instagram, YouTube. Uh, he's got a Patreon uh, as well uh, if you want to support him and uh, help him make more great content. Uh, so I'll put all those links in the show notes. Uh, and with that, thanks for listening to the 10 Adventures podcast again this week. Uh, we'll be back next week to explore the world and hear about more epic adventures. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the 10 Adventures podcast. If you liked it, why not give us a review? Better yet, subscribe and get inspired again and again. Also, if you want to find your own adventures, why not check out 10adventures.com where you can use our free resources to plan your own trip or book a tour in over 60 countries and make your own epic memories on your next adventure. 